Welcome to this week's edition of Mountain Outhouse News. I'm your host, Jam Jam. This is the crazy shit to happen in running this week. This week's stories include golden ticket number one has been found, Antarctic crossing controversy, and Gooder makes an oopsie. The run across the year's six-day race wrapped up January 3rd with Bujergol Bayamba of Mongolia taking the win with 489 miles. Alaskan David Johnston maintained second place in a dead tie with women's winner Amy Mower, both finishing with 453 miles. John Moroshik placed third with 440. For the women, second place went to Annabelle Hepworth with 385, and Van Fan was third with 360. Amazingly, fourth place male John Geisler went all 144 hours without missing a lap in any one given hour for a total of 414. His longest break was right under 90 minutes. Finally, 80-year-old Don Winkley sets a new age group record, breaking Ted Corbett's previous best. Don was able to run a total of 326 miles, placing 12th overall. The New Year's One Day took place this past weekend in San Francisco under rather harsh conditions in Chrissy Field, with Megan Arauzo taking the win with 120 miles. First place mail was quite a bit back as Cesar Rotundo ran 105.8. Of note, Walter Hanloser completed his second 100-mile race of the year already on his way to a scheduled 50 in 2019. The first Golden Ticket race of 2019 kicked off in Texas at Camp Eagle with the Bandera 100K. And a bit of a surprise move, Tyler Green, who was third at last year's Sean O'Brien 100K, finally punched his Golden Ticket by passing up Chris Mako on lap two of the course to win in 8.26. He'll be heading to what looks like his first Western States, along with second place Mako, who was just 25 seconds back. They will be joined by ladies champ Brittany Peterson, who really made a statement here. She won the ladies race in 926, followed a ways back by Ladia Albertson Jenkins in 937. Next chance for golden ticket seekers is the Black Canyon 100K in Arizona next month. A controversy has arisen surrounding the recent fastest unsupported crossing of Antarctica we reported on earlier. Colin O'Brady had reportedly set a first ever unsupported crossing of the continent, but at only 920 miles, it did seem a bit suspicious to me. Turns out, the feat was accomplished by Borge Ausland back in 1997, and there have been quite a few crossings over the years of different intrepid explorers in different fashions. When going after an FKT, it is customary to look at those who came before you and to see in what style and what routes they were using. For most looking to cross the continent in the past, the inclusion of both the Rhone and Ross ice shelves was mandatory. If you wanted to claim a crossing, you must actually go sea to sea. What Colin did was exclude these ice shelves, meaning he was hundreds of miles from the actual ocean when he started and ended his journey. Not to mention, Colin skied on a cleared and maintained ice road from the South Pole to the finish of his journey on the edge of the Ross ice shelf. Sorry, Colin, but I'm calling shit on your claims here. He's certainly benefiting quite a bit from these claims being featured by news outlets all over the world, but this one just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Just take a look yourself of the crossings map and make your own conclusions. A couple of companies in the run space faced backlash over some oopsies on social media posts made this week. Let's take a quick look. First, it was Gooder, the edgy sunglass company who likes to ride the line on their marketing pushes. Look at their pineapple painkiller glasses went a bit too far when they suggested runners relax after a run by sipping on a Vicodin spiked cocktail. 
Now, I'm not sure if anyone would actually be enticed to try this based upon their ad, but with the drug crisis currently affecting so many today, it was clearly a misplaced joke. Run Rabbit Run also faced backlash online after announcing that this year they will add an early start for only women, allowing them an extra overall hour versus the men in the field. Women weren't required to start early, but they could if they wanted the extra hour. This was also later clarified in the post that the men over the age 70 can also have the same option. I think what really got people riled up was this line in there in their post stating, and I quote, no women aren't required to take the early start, so if it's really important to run with your husband or male significant other or male whoever, you'll have to start an hour later with them. Wow. Not sure how they thought this was a reasonable idea or an explanation of the concept, but here's my take. If you want to give some of your participants more time, if they are having difficulty finishing your race under the current cutoff, offer the early start for all, men and women both, or just extend your overall cutoff one hour. And don't degrade women suggesting they need to run with their man. Jesus. After continuing to dig in their heels with a follow-up post citing feedback from elite women to help them make this decision, they've since removed both posts. It will be interesting to see if they end up changing to a 37-hour overall cutoff or not. In a related story, the Mogollon Monster 100 Mile has announced that not dissimilar to the established game of golf, they will be launching a new women's start line this year that will start at the 15-mile aid station. This is very similar to the shorter women's tees you often see in the, golf, in the golf game. Women will reportedly still get credit for the full 100 mile distance and 100 mile buckles, as well as earn their hard rock qualifiers. Interesting. Yeah, and I'm also completely kidding on that one. On a more upbeat note, I traveled to Oakland last weekend for the Goo Ultra Tiki Half Marathon. It was good times as our crew visited four tiki bars in a 14 mile run, drinking Mai Tais along the way. Never had one of those before. Look for that full video soon, and don't try it at home. Three quarters of a mile, the two pedestrian walkway is four feet wide. So, really hope there's no oncoming traffic. My crew! So we're trying to tell. We also attempted to film a new mountain outpost video challenge in Oakland in Skyler's backyard with rather lackluster results. Basically, we DNF'd. Here's Skizzlefresh with more on that. Alright! You can see in the distance the Bay Bridge and Treasure Island. Those will probably disappear as this keeps going on. But the course is down. We can't do this right now. You can't even see the city. <laughs> and with that, thanks for tuning in to episode 127 of Outhouse News. Thanks for checking out the show, and we'll see you next time. If you have any crazy stories to share or question or feedback for the show, please leave a comment below. If you'd like to directly support this show financially, consider becoming a Patreon supporter of this channel or pick up this custom pair of Jam Jam sunglasses. Links below. Have a shitty week.